Hey there, party people. It's Office Hours podcast time. My name is Ashton. I'm David. And welcome to Office Hours, the official podcast of Don't Worry, It's All Gonna Be Just Fine podcast network. Thank you all for joining us. This is episode 17. 17. 17. Wow. Look at that. We've we've made some progress here. I like how positive um, you are, too. You were like, everything's gonna be okay, everybody. Everything's gonna be okay. Bullshit. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Caught Left me turn. Caught me real on an fast. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the uh, Office Hours podcast where we talk about all the things that go bump in the creative night and occasionally what camera not to buy. We actually have a really, really cool episode today because we have a special guest. Um, we have Kyle Stapleton and Kyle is the manager of culture and experience for Warner Media, formerly Turner Studios. Um, and Kyle is a just a good buddy of mine. We go we go back significantly back. Yeah, we, we go yeah, back. Time's to, a flat circle. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because now he's a big shot doing big things and i'm just like some guy that hangs out at his house with his dog all day so you just think that because i don't really post anything on social and you just assume that's but, fair i mean yeah. like yeah it's there is it's shrouded in mystery i mean like i think about your your role at at warner media and it's like where i make the fries the, the donuts you make have to be pretty spectacular because i have known nothing about them <laughs> i like the title the title leaves it to be you know wondered it's a little dark and ominous. I was like, Migos is tight. Make that my title for the, for the culture. <laughs> I dig that. I dig that. So, um, and, and just like to kind of give the cliffs to where you are now, um, we go back to uh, the agency, actually. We were yeah. we were both young men once upon a time and, you know, light, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and we worked at an agency together. Um, and a couple years um, before my departure, you actually ventured out and you landed this incredible incredible gig um kind of developing culture because it's kind of where it's where your focus has been for the past couple of years so you have a title it, it sounds very fancy and prestigious tell us a little bit more about that because i think what you like when you talk about it in a practical sense it's actually a really incredible role and i think something that's like vitally important for a large organization so talk to me a little bit about that yeah i mean i think anybody in a creative business especially needs to be thinking about this stuff um and it, it goes back to our days together right when we were at the agency culture was a word on everybody's lips and the the genesis of me getting this job was going into an annual review saying hey i would love to help like be the gardener of this place and pay more attention to um what makes it a great place to show up and be at every day and be inspired by and um do my best work at and they were like that's cool, but you're on a billable model and that that is kind of the only way you're going to get to continue to exist here. It's like, okay, difference of opinion, that's fine. But I had this prospectus after that review of like, oh, if this is a real job literally anywhere, I want it. Like, that's what I want to do now. Um, <clears throat> so I was in a leadership development program at that same time, kind of conveniently, and started socializing that idea with people in my class and it just so happened that somebody at at turner um was like hey i heard about this job and culture is in the title and you and i have had conversations about this stuff and i don't know if you'd be interested in like maybe making the jump but here it is let me know if you want me to put you in touch with anybody and I was like yeah absolutely um so <clears throat> long story short the the organization turner studios the production and post-production enterprise within turner Turner being TBS, TNT, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, CNN, HLN, um, Turner Classic Movies, NBA TV, all of these brands 
house out of Atlanta, um, a huge creative enterprise, right? And it was in the midst of a, a ton of change starting at about 2014, 10% of the workforce had gotten laid off. Um, the, the kind of creative meat in the middle of the place um, was getting restructured from the ground up. And so this new leader came in and said, hey, we're, we're trying to build a whole new organization. Essentially, um, we need to think about what it means to work here. And we're making a ton of creative. So we need this to be a place. The mandate on day one of my job was I want this to be a place where there is a line out the door. Line out the door is the mantra. I want there to be a line out the door of people who want to work with us and for us. Let's make that happen. And so that's a big kind of, uh, that's a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, but it really comes down to, I want to do the things that actualize the creative potential of the people who are currently working here, right? So retention, learning, development, mentorship, relationship building, and all its many forms, um, and then attract the next generation of creative talent, right? The jobs that we do are insane. To be a technical director for Inside the NBA on Thursday nights with Ernie and Shaq and Charles Barkley, to be the person pressing the buttons that changes the shots on that show that millions of people watch every week is a very special job. It's a very unique job. It takes a very particular set of skills, right? Um, so they needed somebody in that role to to put a light in a 16-year-old's eye and say, this could be you one day and you could do this job for 20 years and you could entertain millions the world over. Um, it's like, well, you'd have to be an idiot not to want to do that job, right? To get people psyched about doing things, making things that other people want to spend their free time with. So it's like, yeah, tell me where to sign. And that was three years ago and here we are. And I, I think it's incredible because, you know, on a personal note from you, you when, when I talk about our history, how we go back, uh, you know, a lot of our conversations over beers, uh, I've always kind of circled around purpose yep. and in, in finding, you know, what it takes to, to, to do the work that makes you feel fulfilled. I didn't ask to be born. So why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's what's so great because you, you're in this role now where it's, it's essentially that's your, your job is to, to help create and facilitate an environment where creative people feel that type of that that they satisfy that creative itch that urge to kind of make and do and and they feel satisfied by it yeah um and, and, and it takes a lot of work to do that not on my behalf but it takes a lot of work for creatives to be in an environment where they can sustain that at a high level all the time and y'all have talked about that in a number of different ways in previous episodes right but um i always tell people i wouldn't want to do my job at like a fintech company where you got to show up and build software for <laughs> credit card payment processing. Like that doesn't appeal to me at all where you got to manufacture a reason to be there, but to make stuff and to express yourself and to have it be received by people is the most noble purpose that there is in the world. Right? So it's a privilege to find ways to create spaces for people to be able to do that. It's really, really, really hard to sustain yourself and be at that level constantly. So my job is to remove all the obstacles that allow people to do that. But dude, what's more impressive than what you do now is the fact that you, I have this little saying, it's called uh, see the future, be the future. And I usually say it when I'm about ready to slip my wrist, but you did it <laughs> in, a, in a positive light and it, it worked. You were like, I wanna do this job and it came to fruition rather quickly. Y yeah. I mean, I don't want to give myself too much credit <laughs> about that at all because 
my my desire my my even being pointed in that direction in the first place came from the mentors that i had when we were at the agency like one of the names on the door was always a really good mentor thinking about culture and really just shared human experience like i'm i would consider myself like a philosopher activist type person before i would ever consider myself x person with a job title just thinking about what it means to be alive and how we can make it better. Um, and this is a way to have a vehicle for that and just get paid. So like, I, I got to thank Glenn Jackson before I would ever give any credit to myself for, for showing me that something like that's possible. And then Laura Dames, the GM of Turner studios, who has been the, the greatest leader that I've ever worked for. And I've worked for a lot of great leaders. Um, having the forethought to say, this is a business goal to make this a great place to work. We need to put business resources behind it and then creating a job and, and defending like, no, 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 we need to spend real money on this because it matters. And that's the IO. Like when people, especially in creative businesses are saying, how do I create a great place to work? It's like, you got to literally put your money where your mouth is. You got to spend time and, and money and resources and care about this stuff and show that you care about it. No, I mean, like, that's because we talked to Mike Graham a couple of uh, episodes ago. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, he runs uh, Second Melody uh, out of Morristown, New Jersey, mm. an incredible agency. And we talked about the kind of building that culture. And it's, it's to your point, like, he kind of echoed the idea that, like, you have to, you can't just say it. Because I think that there's a lot of that going around now that, oh, oh it's well, a about culture. Word. Yeah, it's yeah, a buzzword. Yeah. It's so a about culture. And we have the kegs and we have some ping pong yeah. tables <laughs> and we want you to be family and friendly here. But like <laughs> the reality is it's like that's a half that's a half step. Yeah. Right. Like the, 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 I got beers with my buddy the other night and was talking to we were talking about core values. That idea came up. And, you know, that's another one of those things where it's like, that's how you achieve your purpose and create a culture and whatever. And I was like, no, no, no. Enron had the core values like integrity, perseverance, whatever etched into the marble floor in their <laughs> lobby. And they were Enron. So like anybody can say it. It can be words on the wall anywhere. The like office space. Is this good for the company? Sure. But it's it's really what you do in the hard times in the negative spaces. Like what are you willing to sacrifice? Like that's where a culture is built yeah. is the things you're the things you're willing to walk away from and not do is what makes a culture. Like the nice stuff, yeah, the keg yeah. stuff is like, nah, you can you it's can not about the happy hours. Stupid. That's right. Right. It's, it's about the sad yeah. hours. Right, right. <laughs> it's about the Sunday mornings, not the Friday evenings. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I like that a lot. Well, I think that's incredible to, to I mean, you know, Turner being what it is. I mean, it, we're in, we live in Atlanta uh, and, and Turner is an institution. Shout you know? out to Uncle Ted. There you go. Um, and so I think that it's, it's kind of magnificent to hear that a, a company of that scope and scale and size can put that type of focus behind an effort like that and and truly like i mean you you have a role because of that right that's that's, that's right. true focus yeah that i have a job yeah that that exists is, is something and and we're not we are very far from perfect and i lose a lot of sleep over the ways that we're not perfect but um i'm still there and so it matters at least that much and and nobody's trying to get rid of me so um now kyle on a on, when we talk about like warner media and your position in it is it are we talking regional or are we talking like for all of Warner media, you do this? No. So I'm, I'm in the studios. My responsibility okay. is to the production and post-production people, which is a staff of about 320 still people fucking right now. Huge. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Compared to the agency we were at, which was maybe like 120 people when yeah. I left. Um, 
But what's interesting about the part of the company that we're in, we're creating content for the whole portfolio, right? So we are one of the only parts of the company that has a sight line into what all the brands are doing. So we can say, hey, Cartoon Network, what you did for this campaign was really, really cool. It might be cool for the NBA to take this idea and do nothing like it on the surface, but to take kind of the thinking behind it, right? So we found that that kind of like soft level of our connection was really, really important to our culture and finding ways to have people build those relationships across like ideologies and sensibilities was really, really super important. So I say that it's just the 320 people, but (laughs) a a very important thing to us is like, we want to get people in our building to see these studios and to see what their counterparts of the other brands are doing and just trying to really be like the connective tissue between everything. We use the phrase connective tissue all the time because it's like, we want to be the center of the creative universe, not from an ego perspective, but just from a, a helpful perspective for everybody. We want everybody to be more inspired as a result of working with us. Um, and that's the value of a, of a creative individual or a group of creative people, right? Is the not seeing the world as it is, but as it could be and just helping energize people around that. And so it's a support role. It's a support on, role on a for massive. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> And so, you know, because of what you do and where you do it, you know, you, you have a lot of different concentrations of creative, right? I think that, you know, me and David, when we talk on this, on this podcast, you know, we touch on, we've touched on designers, we've touched on photographers, a lot of photographers, because mm-hmm. um, that's kind of where those are, those are our swim lanes, you know, for, for someone in your role, right? I mean, you're, you're talking about a lot of very technical things and also a lot of very like creative things. So like the art and the technology and everything in between. Yeah. We use the analogy of the, like the French salon, right. Where the writers and the painters and everybody were hanging out in kind of the same coffee shop. Um, people are more obligated to like an, an editor for TBS feels like they work for TBS and they want to talk to other editors. But what we're trying to encourage people to do and what people are, are really pretty naturally passionate about doing is like, okay, you're a lighting guy for a live show in sports and you're talking to an editor for TBS, like you're going to find some common ground because you've been through some of the same things. And just that, that magic that happens when you get into each other's headspace. So you, you get deeper into your own headspace by getting out of it. Actually. Um, those are the really magical moments for us. And that, I don't think anyone necessarily intended for that to be my role, but like finding those connective points where it's like, whoa, that's really cool. You should talk to this person because in a weird, like abstract way, it reminds me of what this person said to me the other day. Um, And just trying to do that salon model of keeping each other inspired and obviously drinking a ton of coffee um, is, is super, super important to us. Do you, I mean, so, you know, me and David, we talk about on our podcast about how, you know, we feel we like photographers as a as a collective right as a as a whole i think that there is an ebb and flow to the creative staleness that happens mm-hmm. it's like that moment of feeling stuck and you hate all your own work and i mean are, are like are those things or sentiments that are shared across the creative board with the types of creatives you're working with day in and day out oh my god yes um everybody hits it and everybody hits it at a pretty frequent cadence, you know, like almost weekly. This is, I can only deliver so many, we do a lot of versioning, right? So like you can only do the same 60 second promo so many ways, right? So the editor and the sound designer and the graphics artist and all those people are kind of feeling it. Um, but the importance is that we similarly in parallel, keep a regular cadence of 
um, just like you would do with reminding yourself to work out um, or eat breakfast or whatever, just scheduling time on your calendar every couple of weeks, every month. It's like, no, no, no. Once a month, we're going to have this thing, food for thought, where it's a breakfast hour where somebody comes in and they talk about their creative process. Like we are going to set aside the time to step out of our role, to not be overscheduled, to get out of the suite, to get out of the studio and to just be around each other, to enjoy the coffee and the donuts and to hear somebody talk and just to remember why we even made the insane life choice to get in this business in the first place. Right? So your relationship with your art is no different than your human relationships than your marriage. You know, you got to put in the work at a regular interval and step back and assess and reflect and make changes. And that's the only way that you're going to survive. See, I've had this like whole thing where, especially, uh, I'm going to speak from personal experience because I live in my studio, right? So I don't, (laughs) I I literally do. I live, God bless you. You know, Um, so I don't leave here often. (laughs) And so sometimes I get like really I wouldn't if I had a lap steel. Well, you know, it's... (laughs) That's why I say so much. That's right. <laughs> but like, I don't leave here often and, and I get bogged down by the fact that like, I see the same shit every day, mm-hmm. you know? And so like what you just said to that extent of like having to get up and change a little bit of scenery and like maybe just go out here and sit outside for whatever, go have breakfast over here or have the meeting out. Like how important is it to just remove yourself from the editing bay or the whatever in order to keep morale up? I think of two things when you say that. It's a really beautiful question. Um, one, I think of the fact that we're on this 28-acre campus. So Ted Turner, huge environmentalist, right? We're on a 28-acre campus in Atlanta, the city in the trees, and it's all green all the time. So it's like, if you get frustrated, you have this great option to get out in nature and just take a deep breath, and it's quiet out there. Can't emphasize enough the importance of just taking a breath, meditating, focus on your breathing, thinking about nothing. Like don't even try to solve a different problem. Don't distract yourself with anything. Just, just try to do nothing, do less. Super important to all of us. You'll see people taking laps kind of all the time. It's, it's really necessary for people that are like wired to be workaholics. Like so many creative people are. The other thing is you made me think of this wonderful, wonderful soul that we used to work with Ashley Shepard, the, queen of the brainstorm, queen of ideation. Um, and, and that really comes from seeing the world in new and beautiful and unusual lights. Um, she does a great presentation on, on brainstorming. And in one of the early things she says in there is like, just change one thing about your routine, just drive a different way to work. Just listen to a different radio station, just wear two different shoes, just like make, (laughs) make one small change at a time. Like when you talk about big abstract things like creativity, it's very easily overwhelming. So just start with one thing, just be like, I'm just going to do one thing today that I would never do otherwise. Um, but you also have to be like, I'm going to be self-aware when I do this one different thing and hopefully it'll help me see the beauty in a, in a new and different way. Or if you're doing the same thing, all it takes is that self-awareness, right? If you go to the same coffee shop every day to get coffee, like there's probably a sign in there that you've seen a thousand times and never read. Just like read the whole thing, read the fine print, see if something makes you laugh. I'm really big on this type of, so, you know, we talked about um, changing up your, your, your day to day in an effort to kind of stir creativity a couple, like a while back ago. Uh, on a previous episode and I, I i think about that now i mean you're talking about like changing up your your routine and things like that 
I do something similar, but for music, right? Like I'll, mm. I'll have an album on repeat, right? <clears throat> and I think I'm not a musician, um, you know, not a talented one at least. You don't have a lap steel? I don't have a lap steel. <laughs> <laughs> we can't all be David Patino, unfortunately. Um, and so w- what I do is, um, you know, I take these, I go in, I listen to a piece of music and I try to pick apart all the different layers within a track, right? And I think this is really big. I listen to like a lot of hip hop and I think that's where you really start to see the magic of the producers, like that part of their creativity kind of coming alive because it's like they're stacking all of these different variables and on a, on a radio listen, you're, you know, if you're bopping your head in the car, like you don't think about those things, you just hear a great song. But if you start to kind of tear it apart and you listen to just like, you're listening for the past the chorus, past the instruments, past the bass line, down to like, you know, a tambourine or like mm-hmm. a shaker. Right. Or like, I think there's like, this, this will sound really weird, but like, there's a, this is how, how lame I am. There's a John Mayer song where like he talks about like, yo, John Mayer rips uh, one of his first albums. Yeah. I saw one of his first <laughs> albums. Like he, there's a, there's a part in the song where you hit, he hits a vibra slap, mm-hmm. which is like, who the hell uses a vibra slap in anything? But Red like, it, but if you listen Red to fucking John Mayer does that, it's way right. back there. That's and I think right. that like, to think that if you weren't li- like on its, like on its first listen on a casual listen, you don't hear that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you kind of really isolate it and you just dig and you like, kind of like listen real hard, you can hear it. Music is the gift that keeps on giving. And I mean, that's why like, I have a whole podcast about music. Cause it's just, it started about, talking about one album per episode, just kind of exploring what makes it cool. But it's really become about um, like it being the universal language and what we can learn about life and living from it. Um, And so the two things that I do with music are like, I try to find the most out of my comfort zone thing that I can, if I'm (laughs) feeling stagnant, just like what's harsh industrial noise or just like, obscure Turkish jazz or just like, let me put in three nouns and there's probably a playlist for that on Spotify and it's nothing I've ever heard before. Um, and it just kind of puts you in a different part of your mind and the universe. And then the other thing is exactly what you said is like about a year ago, I was listening to, I think call me the breeze. I was listening to a Skinner song and that was the first band that I knew like front to back. Um, and there was a piano part buried in the mix a Billy Powell piano part, like way back in the mix of, of, I think call me the breeze. And I never knew it was there. And I've listened to the song easily 2,500 times in three <laughs> decades. Right. And it, I just felt like I'd been lying to myself for a whole, and it was just like, all right, well now I need to listen to it 10 more times to really understand what he's doing. And that just like was a, it was a kickstart in my day. Um, yeah. So you're right. Like, trying to take the world for granted a little less is a super important thing. And kids are the best creatives for that reason. Cause everything is up for questioning. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that like, you know, to kind of circle it all about all back around to your point about how you guys at, at, at um, Warner kind of get together and you have these kind of these, these moments where you share and collectively talk about what you guys do. I mm-hmm. think that there's, there's a power in that type. It's almost therapeutic, right? I mean, I think that's the half the reason we do this podcast or why we started this podcast. Um, you know, last year is cheaper than therapy. It, it, yeah. We yeah. had, we sat down and we started talking about all the shared struggle and there's like, there's things where like, you know, you find that you're, you're not alone as a creative person. Like if you do a creative vocation or you, you know, if you, if you are in the trenches, right? Like you're not alone in that stuck feeling. Yeah. And so when you're around like-minded folks and you're able to kind of share in that and, and, and swap battle stories and talk about things that you've learned along the way, um, 
it, there's something there's something bigger to that. And I think that that's what's really strong about that is that the fact that you guys do that as an organization is huge. I feel like, you know, I mean, I kind of think back to our days as the agency, we kind of did a little bit of that, but there wasn't a full, it wasn't a, it was a half measure, right? And it wasn't a byproduct of being, you know, malicious. It was just the world is busy. You know? Kyle, correct so, me if I'm wrong. It, it sounds like you guys are trying to be very proactive about it. Like normally, normally this like, let's change the culture kicks in when everybody goes, fuck this. <laughs> and like, boom, throws the table and walks out the door. And then they're like, hey, we should change stuff. But like, you guys, you guys are trying to kind of spearhead it and, and make sure that shit doesn't happen. Right. It's I mean, a, like, I'm horrible this personally. Yeah. Like, I, you know, but like, that's what you should be doing. You should be like watching everybody and being like, okay, who's, got the trench coat on like you, who's let's you, talk to that guy wait, first you wait to do spring cleaning until your house is burned down yeah exactly <laughs> that's exactly it yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> in the spirit of improv it's a little bit of yes and so like mm-hmm. things got bad and they needed to change but also there was all of this untapped passion and potential in all of these people who hadn't really been activated to their full potential for a long time right um or they were doing fine and didn't know how much more of them was just pent up. Um, the best person, the best speaking engagement of any kind that I've ever seen on culture. And, and I keep evangelizing about this everywhere that I go. I went to a culture summit in Austin and Dr. Steven Tomlinson, who was an MBA and a management consultant, and then went back to seminary and teaches at seminary in Austin. Now, um, talked about this phrase as grandma had that was like, people are great, but what do you do with them? Um, (laughs) This idea, we have this inverse of the old, the old management idea is like, you need to extract value from people, get as much out of you can, as much as you can out of people. But instead it's like, people have a hundred percent to be given and that they inherently really want to give and how much of that are you prepared to receive? And just that paradigm shift has changed the way that, that I've thought about everything generally about people, but especially about creatives and building a culture is like, people don't want to go to a job that sucks. Obviously they don't, they don't want to show up and be unfulfilled, especially if they're creative, if they're expressive, if they have a love of the world and a passion for the world. Um, so it's just like, if you see it as there's a hundred percent of them out there somewhere and I just have to remove all the blockades to allow them to put it all in the middle of the room, then that's a really meaningful and magical way to get it there. So to your point, David, it was not so much that it's proactive as like it was 50% of the way there and we just needed to like, we needed to carve the raw wood to get the right fuel beauty of the place there. Well, and I mean, like, so this is a good dovetail because, you know, your focus has been, you know, fostering or kind of creating this environment that's that's conducive to the creative growth of people, right? Their development to stay, to stay happy, to stay focused on what makes them, makes improves them and works into the next thing, but then keeps them there, right? I mean, it's that whole employee retention portion of it. Um, and I think that, you know, we've talked to a lot of folks that are in the freelance market, right? Like we're, we're independent contractors, we're, you know, we're kind of doing our own thing. Um, but, you know, you don't have to be on your own to be a creative person, right? To do, to do a vocation like that, you know? I mean, I think that there's sometimes that whole idea like, oh, I should branch off on my own, I should do my own thing. And mm-hmm. that's like, that's, that's great 
for some, but not for all. And that's okay. And I think that, you know, you're creating one of those places that, I mean, quite frankly, is, should be a, a, a kind of a, a yardstick for how other organizations should think to be. I mean, because um, I think creative burnout is very real. Oh, yeah. And I don't think that there is a lot of focus on it in a very real way or intentional way. But then to, to have, you know, to have an organization that says, okay, well, we're going to make that someone's actual role mm-hmm. to focus on. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a team of you. Um, that kind of deals with this. I think that's a really strong thing. So, I mean, I think if anyone, anyone in listener land, if you're thinking, oh, well, the only way I can be truly the creative I want to be is to be on my own. That's not entirely true. There are places out there that can, that can kind of give you the opportunity to do what you want to do. And they're investing in people in, in good ways. Um, I, I think I'm trying to get around to this because I think that it's a bigger, it's a bigger indicator of your career path as a person that champions personal growth, personal professional growth yeah. um, has led you to create an organization that does that. You mean Culture Lab? Absolutely, Culture yeah. Lab. Um, Culture Lab, like your podcast, started as a support group um, because when I got my job, I didn't, I, I thought I was the only person in Atlanta that had a job with culture in my title. <laughs> and so I went, I went in search of like, all right, well, who has a great culture and who's already doing this? Because surely somebody is smarter than me and light years ahead of me already. And the answer was MailChimp, like with so many other great things in the creative business, (laughs) Um, who have a chief culture officer and team of about 40 for at the time, 500 employees. I think they're going to go north of a thousand this year, which is incredible. Um, So shout out to the, the best homegrown brand in Atlanta. Um. But I met with Marty Wolf, who's their CCO, and Ann Collins, who's sort of the closest thing to my counterpart there. She's director of employee experience. Um, and I got coffee with Ann and um, just kind of grew from there um, and then kept meeting other people, one of whom um, is Maggie O'Connor, who now lives in Chattanooga, but at the time was at an agency and had a people and culture role and is the sister-in-law of ellie who we used to work Mm -hmm. with um it's just like this is the smallest small town there is um and and maggie and ann and i and some other people started talking and it was like okay well people care about this stuff this needs to be a thing and it was predominantly people in growth companies and creative businesses and people in in organizations that were trying to do something special and meaningful um but also knew that they needed to like put bumpers around it and say, this is what this is. This is the purpose of the thing. This is the culture. Um, and so culture lab is a national organization, um, much like creative mornings, uh, creative mornings has been a great analog for us, a great kind of measuring stick because they're, uh, an organization made up of chapters and people in a community who care about a thing gather at a regular cadence and they talk about that thing and they help each other get better at that thing. Um, and they inspire each other about the different aspects of that thing. So shout out to Blake Howard, who runs Creative Mornings Atlanta and runs a killer, killer branding agency. Um, he's been a, a great mentor and a role model as we try to grow Culture Lab. And, and now we're in a good place where a bunch of people have signed on who are doing employee experience stuff. And we have kind of a full leadership team and are getting together and having real conversations. And we have a Slack workspace too, where people are like, Hey, this thing's happening in my office, or we want to try out this new initiative. 
what experience do you have with XYZ? So to your point about knowing that you're not alone and other people know what you're going through and they care about the same thing and they can kind of coach you through it. Like I went through this thing six months ago, da da da. Seeing that stuff happen on the Slack is super, super heartening because just because you build it doesn't mean they'll come. Um, so the enthusiasm of people, particularly creative people around this topic, um, you know, it's just one of those shows how much good there is in the world types of things. I mean, I think this is good gospel to be spreading if there, if anything, right? I mean, like, I think that the idea of, of creating a, a healthy environment for that is, is never a bad thing, especially with where I think workforces are kind of growing these days. So Kyle, I mean, think with what you do for a living, you know, you're working with a lot of different concentrations with a lot of different types of creative. Um, what do you feel is like a, a commonality or a common thread amongst them aside from the burnout thing aside from the whole my stuff sucks part <laughs> negative commonalities you mean the negative common thread yeah well i mean like well i mean what, what, what else what, is what do bad you, about creative no people? no no. well okay so what do you what do you like because your role is to help create these in create a, uh, an environment that facilitates the growth of these folks yeah what do you feel that what do you feel is one of the greatest hurdles that creatives face on a on a day-to-day or a common basis I mean, it's really simple stuff. I mean, it's all stuff that's common sense. People get in their own way. People get into their own head. Like almost every human problem is a communication problem, right? So people feel like this thing is specific to me or I'm isolated or nobody cares or I have no resources. I have no way out of this like wet paper bag. Um, They're... Yeah, a lot of it is just a sense of of isolation, I think, and, and just and not knowing how to move forward. So the more that we can share stories and be like, no, 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 that's fine, that's normal, chill out, we'll figure it out. Like no matter what happens, just relax. We're gonna figure it out. It's gonna be fine. We are not doing open heart surgery. <laughs> we are just making things. You know, we are here for each other. The whole purpose of you going into this line of work is so that we could have fun, and things could be better more days than it's worse so like we are here for you you know so there is not to be like corny or or too heartwarming but um there's a real sense of like no no no, we got you we got your back um the thing that has really amazed me about the group of people that i work with is like we all work really 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 hard um and there's an expectation that everybody perform at a high level, right? Because everybody's really good. Everybody's talented. Everybody has special skills. Um, so you can't not bring it. But like when you're hurting, when you have family stuff, when you are in your own head, when you can't get out of a block, um, people are really good and, and, and generally pretty intuitive about being like, hey, take a breather, take a day, take a couple of days, like go do your thing. The work's still there. It's not going away. It's going to suck for us for a couple of days, but like you need to go do whatever you need to do. So the important thing I think for all creatives is to be human first. Um, and, and that's why a big group of creatives is, it can be really special if handled appropriately. Um, and, and I also wish that for people like you who generally do things on their own. Um, it's great that the two of you have this community, like community among creatives, among people who have made this lifestyle choice is super important so that 
you know that what you're doing is meaningful and that you have help and you can take care of yourself and restore to your like full powers um, so you can get back to it when you're ready. What about the, like you mentioned at the beginning of this whole thing, the, the, the guy who pushes the buttons on Thursday night while millions, <laughs> right? While millions of people are watching. And, and I know I love you, Garrett. <laughs> everything you just said was really beautiful. And, and, and I love the idea of it, but like when millions of people are watching and that guy mm-hmm. fucks up, is there time? How do you, how do you make those two worlds meet where you're like, it's okay, man. Like, we got yeah, you, you for a couple days off? and oh wow you just fucked up a live broadcast like how does that how do you marry the two of those yeah so the the dirty secret about culture it's not a secret at all is <laughs> that it starts it starts with leadership right, right. The, the person the person with the most power in the room has to believe in the philosophy mm-hmm. and if they don't then you are shit out of luck right. <laughs> and you need to go be around a different group of creatives um and you're going to face that, right? Like that's inevitable and that's natural and you don't need to get discouraged about it. Cause there are some people who get it and there are some people who don't, um, for every one Iggy pop, there's 10 Taylor Swift's. Um, you say that like, it's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to offline about this, buddy. See me in my office. Um, but no, I mean the, the, the thing that's really important about, failure is to socialize the message that everybody does it and everybody does it a lot. You know, like we, we talk about, Oh, like making it cool to fail and okay to fail. But like, especially in live TV, (laughs) man, you're going to make mistakes. You're a human being note to note. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, so just learning to get to the type of failure where a bunch of people don't necessarily notice it and you have a higher standard for what failure is than the audience does, um, is really, really important. Right. Um, and then just, you do the same thing enough times like running NBA on TNT and you start to recognize where, where the potential failure points are and you anticipate them and you work around them and you call them out like, Hey, I blew this in the pregame segment. Um, can we next week, can you help me out with this thing so that we don't do that again? Right. And in the team environment, you have to expect and normalize, like we are going to fail and it's fine. It's important that we stay out of our feelings about it. Cause if you get in your feelings about mine this time, I'm going to get in my feelings about yours next time. Just like, Nope, we're going to take all the feelings out of it because we know that it's normal and we're just going to help each other get to the solution because the fans don't care how we feel about the failure at all. Right. (laughs) The people who receive our art, it doesn't matter to them. They just want to watch Charles Barkley, like cuss and talk about gambling and stuff. Right. (laughs) What we do doesn't matter to them. Um, So our job is just to make good art. So let's just help each other get to the end goal, the shared vision. And like the the shared vision thing is really important. We both want to do this great thing. We're both upset about the failure. It's fine. Let's figure out what we're going to do differently, right? So just getting outside your feelings is super important. And also important to acknowledge that it's super hard to do, right? Because passion leads to that emotion. And you got to recognize where that is a good thing. Where it's a bad thing is when you get upset about when things don't go the way that you envision them. Um, so it's important to like parse those things out again. It's a very like therapy thing and it only comes with a lot of reps. I mean, I think we've talked about something similar, you know, it's the idea that as a, I don't know, I I like to say that my job is 90% 
problem solving 10% photography. <laughs> you know, it's like anytime I go into a situation or I've been on a, on a set or, uh, you know, like once you cross that line, like that set is mine to deal with, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have to communicate with the art directors and the talent and the client and, and along the way, there's inevitably going to be some, some trip ups. Like you're, your camera will flip out or something won't happen right. You know, your talent won't be able to get the look that you need exactly for that one particular shot. And I think that it's 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 working through it in a way that doesn't alarm anybody else to it. Um, and I think even more so to your point, like, you know, David and I have talked about this before, but like it's the idea that when you have a great team around you, you can help, they can help facilitate or help kind of pick you up in those those valleys right so you can get to the peak again that's right um, and, and you know, it's it's so much about the way that you frame it right the the best creatives that i know don't see those moments as stumbling blocks they see them as opportunities to just like change just do something different you know and, and just to be able to pivot from that and find the positive and find the joy in that moment and that's where the bob ross happy accidents come from right the the best creatives find the joy in the process and the disaster in the it turns into jazz you know like that that miles davis quote about there not being a wrong note just the note you play after the current note is the right one or the mm -hmm. wrong one um, like so much of that informs a good creative process. I think it's just like, okay, this happened. Am I going to hit the right note after this or the wrong note? I love this because, you know, we've talked before about how, you know, what's really important for, 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 for us is like, it's the process over the product. Like the product is important. Absolutely. The thing that you make the widget, the art, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever you do, the byproduct <sighs> of that work sh is, is important, but the process should be what gets you out of bed every morning because that should be, that's, that's the thing that, you know, the product, the success on that is fleeting. Yep. You know, you'll have a great day, then you'll have a bad day, then you'll have a great day, and you might have two bad days, whatever it might be. But like the process is the part that you should enjoy the most because that's the part that brings you in line with other creative people, that brings you in line with your art, that kind of shows you, you know, the obstacles that you might face in a in a in a day to day doing that thing that you do, you know, doing the reps and finishing the drill. And it's one hundred percent what other people remember about you. Like people People, the things that you do will come and go. Um, there, you know, the old thing about like you're only as good as your last thing. It's not even that. It's like people remember the experience of being around you. That Maya Angelou quote. It's like it's how people made you feel. Um, it, it, people talk a lot about relationships in this business, and that's really what it comes down to. It's like the you, when you make things, you make them and you put them behind you because it's an expression. It's a snapshot of a moment. But what really energizes you is the like little things that you can't capture about that moment. And the, and the snapshot just reminds you of all the other things that you couldn't possibly put into words. Right. So what's more important is that you be the person for the process, not the product. I, I love the way that you put that. Cause like, when you think back to your memories of the things that excited you the most as a creative, like the product is cool, but I mean, you have your work product hanging up around us in here and like, this is cool. But when you think of it, you don't think of getting this, you're proud of this, but you're, you're more happy about the experience of like being there in that moment and being able to capture everything you felt about that moment in a little snapshot. Absolutely. And that's the important thing. Like it's so easy to forget about that, but it's, it's try to important. It's important to try to remember that as often as you can so dreamy so dreamy. you're so dreamy I, 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 it's hard because like i i 
I be- I actually I actually believe all of that, but I have days more so now than I ever have in my life where there's an art director standing there going, I don't give a fuck. I need it now. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like and that's a tough balance and I think that's where a lot of I think that's where a lot of creatives get like bogged down and and don't even get me started on the on the damn algorithms that, you know, like YouTube wants me to post once a week in order to keep up with them. And like Instagram wants me to post three times a week. And like, I can't create that much. Right. I'm busy doing other shit. I'm busy enjoying the process as you put right. it. And yet everybody around me is going like, yeah, but where's the, where's the product, David? Like, <laughs> Yeah. But those capitalists will be dead the same as you one day. And you'll have, you'll have had a much richer experience in between the, the dates. I think about that, uh, a fair amount is just like the the punk rock kid and me is just it's very important to live outside of other people's expectation and to create yeah. discomfort about other people's expectations i spent so much of my young life even though i didn't want to um listening to that art director and being like yes sir absolutely sir i'll get it as soon as i can you know it's like the genteel southern work ethic is the most important virtue kid in me um but then it was like nah you know what we're both going to be dead extremely soon and i would rather have lived my life than your life so i will fight through the discomfort of this moment to achieve my life goal instead of your life goal because your life goal is stupid. I think that's really hard for like, it, it, and I'm going to echo David here because like, I think that's really di- challenging for some creator. I mean, it's challenging for me to think because, you know, it's the whole idea that you shouldn't care what people think. You should make the art that makes you feel happy and comfortable yeah. and that, that by doing you is where you'll find the success. I, I think it's really hard to get out of your own head, headspace where it's like, especially nowadays where, you know, to David's point, content is, it's, it's quantity over quality almost. And, you know, we've talked about it in the past and I still believe to this day, it's like, there used to be a time where you would pour your heart into something, you'd you'd put your art out into the world, whatever you want to call it, right? Whatever romantic idea you have about it. And it would stand on its own and it would live and you would revel in that, like that moment that you were in, the hard work that you put in and you'd be proud of that success. And I think now because of how things like, you know, Graham and YouTube and all that crap, like the, 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 it's, there's this push for more, 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 more. And so the last best thing you did was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Now you need to make something for today because people are ready to scroll, you know? And, and that's kind of a, that's a, that's a, sh- I mean, that's a terrible place to be in. I think, you know, it's, I, I, I sit in it often and I try to f- actively fight against it because, you know, if everything that you do is disposable, then you're not focusing on putting your best effort into into that thing. Yeah, but uh, Conan O'Brien had a great interview recently. Um, so his show just went to 30 minutes from 60 minutes, right? And <laughs> somebody interviewed him. And, and the last question in that feature was, do you worry that you are squeezing yourself out of relevance by short, shortly making your show smaller and smaller? And he was like... <laughs> I visited Calvin Coolidge's grave recently. Only late night host to be able to say that, first of all. Um, and like he was the president a hundred years ago, not long ago at all. 
and nobody remembers him and you could walk up to 10 people on the street and 11 of them would not know a single thing about what Calvin Coolidge did. Maybe one person would be like, he was the president when the Titanic sank. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, But the point is like, you're going to die and it's not going to matter. So don't worry about it so much. And that scares a lot of people. And I, I, I think there's an inherent fear reflected in creatives in the thing that you just said. Um, but it should be liberating. You know, it's that fight club losing all hope is freedom thing. You know, like if nothing matters, anything can, if nothing matters, you're free to do whatever you want. And isn't that the most beautiful thing that there is in the world? Like, don't there's such a tyranny in what's this going to mean and and what just get away from that man i love that kyle's answer and i mean this sincerely that kyle's answer to all of our questions is you're gonna fucking die anyway that's absolutely right i just like, finished the- david i can't wait for us to have a whiskey in real life and seriously see how dark i hate really whiskey gets. but i will drink it for you I'll drink. I mean, it doesn't matter what we drink as long as we can talk, as long as we can stare headlong into the abyss together. I will say that every conversation I've had with Kyle over my, our friendship together, like it always steers deeply into like the whole like space and time and everything at the end of the day is you are just a blip. I'm booking my trip to Atlanta right now. I actually, I just finished the book um, by Mark Manson. Everything is fucked. (laughs) And like, it's, it's taken me back because it's, that's the point that like, that he asserts through his whole, his whole thing. It's like, you know, in the in the history of humankind, like you are this small, and I'm using a hand gesture you can't see here, but like it's it's tiny. And so the the goal should be to just be a good person and to enjoy the time that you have and to do the things that you wish to do. Which, so long as you're not like infringing on being a terrible person, right? Like if you're a good person doing what you want to do, then everything will be fine. Yeah, you need to kind of like invert your sense of the scale of things. If you do any amount of reading about the quantum, you realize that you are just a very random collection of cells uh, in for a very brief moment um, bound to hurdle toward entropy where you will be a random collection of cells that will be on a beach in Stanhope near Sandhope, New Jersey, and <laughs> you will be in a plastic bottle in China and you will, you know, maybe be part of a Coca-Cola one day if you're lucky. Um, you Atlanta guys in your Coca-Cola. That's right. Your, your <laughs> yeah, soda you, you pop. Can't, you can't upset Big yeah. Red over here. Whatever <laughs> the hell you yanks call it. They're um, listening to us. But you're here for a very brief moment and and what a joy to have even gotten to exist at all. I mean, like, Existence is hell and the world is burning and everybody is a nightmare. And yeah, sure. A lot of things are terrible, but that's, that's when you're looking at it on the very small scale of what humans are capable of perceiving. But when you really think about it, like we, we are here for the shortest of the short moments. So try to do the best you can leave things a little better than you found them. And as a creative, that's your responsibility, right? Is to like, is ultimately to find the beauty in things and to help remind people of the beauty in things. And you're also saddled with seeing all the darkness and everything. Um, but your responsibility is to be like a journalist of beauty, I think, and to, and to help remind people what is good about being here while we get to be here. All right. So here's the big question for you then, because I'm going to, I'm literally going to, we're going to hang up. I'm going to stop you know, recording. I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to 
have dinner with my wife and tell her how great life is right now because I'm, I'm riding this high. This is a great conversation. I feel really good about it. And tomorrow I have to make 12 images for a client and it's, it's going to be a long day and it's going to be rough. And Saturday, I got to do some other stuff and Sunday and, and, and by Monday, I'm probably going to go to Home Depot. I don't know if there's going to be enough time. How do you, and I'm literally asking you, how, how do you keep that going? That idea of it's all good. Like we're going to get through this and we're going to make some cool shit and we're going to meet some cool people and there's going to be some really fucking shitty times, but Mm -hmm. it's okay. Uh, You have have 30 seconds. Go. Thanks dad. (laughs) Thank. This is like when your dad catches you smoking a cigarette and makes you smoke the whole carton. (laughs) Um, You're going to like it too. Um, yeah. you know, just the idea that people contain multitudes is super important to me, right? Like I hold on to my light by living in the darkness a little bit mm-hmm. every day. Um, so just acknowledging like all this bad is out there and I, I need to not ignore it out there or in myself and just see all of those things as the same spectrum and all of them are opportunity for inspiration and I guess the short answer is I don't want to answer this question as somebody who knows what the answer is. Right. Fair because I, sh- I struggle with it the same as the, the two of you do. And both of you are very lucky to not be my wife who sees me <laughs> at all of the bottom out moments. Right. And has to deal with them. Yeah. And I'm so lucky to have a wife and a mother and two brothers and a sister and a dad and relatives who, who care enough to lift me through those moments where I'm like, none of this is worth it. I have a life where I really want to see the beauty. I really want to help it make, I really want to help make it better for other people, but I don't know how to make it better for myself. Um, so, I mean, we could do a whole nother episode just about mental health for creatives. And that's a, that's a very, very real thing. Huge. Um, so, so the community thing is super important, right? And touches on everything that we talked about, about being around other like-minded people who can be, help you be bigger than the sum of your parts. Um, so that's, that's really important. It's just knowing that you're never alone and, um, and just, so being around love and inspiration, I think are, are the answers. I I guess this is kind of like the, the cliffs version to use Ashton's phrase. Um, I rely on the people around me who know that I'm a nihilistic son of a bitch and remind me that it's, it's going to be okay and allow me to be nihilistic and um laugh at all of my stupid jokes and (laughs) then i turn to all my favorite musicians to speak truth to power and to remind me that like whatever it is man it doesn't really matter anyway and that's the best possible thing that could happen hell yeah very real tell your wife you love her and you appreciate everything about her and Especially that she puts up with you for even existing. Good Lord, she does. <laughs> I think that, that that's like, because you say that and I think that, um, I, you know, I've, I've, I've talked about this before briefly, but never in depth. And I, I mean, that's a whole different episode, as you mentioned. But like, I do think that if you, if you are a person that listens to this, that doesn't have a creative vocation mm-hmm. and you know a creative person like closely, like you're, you're tied to one, one way or another, whether it be partner, friend, whatever. Like know that like there are moments. I mean, I think people that listen to that go, "Oh, I have a, I know a friend that's like mm-hmm. like." And there are moments where those people hit they hit hit valleys, right? Yeah. 
and, and text accept- him right now and tell him the last thing you did was cool. It's all going to be all right. Next beer is on me. Yeah. And I think, well, I mean, for creative people, it's challenging because like not everybody that you have a personal connection with has those same ups and downs. Mm-hmm. That said, there is, there is safety in that shared struggle with other like-minded folks. Yep. So like the whole idea to kind of circle it all back. If you're listening to this, you're creative person whatever you might want to do whatever you do for a living like whatever widget you kind of make know that you are not the only one and it is and and conversely the thing you just said about like other people there are people out there that don't know the highs and the lows that's because they took the safe road they took the flat road and you made the right choice because you wanted the juice and it's worth the squeeze, right? It's scary and it's dangerous and it's risky, but it's the only way to truly experience the beauty outside the safety of the bounds. So your friends that are experiencing safety as a trade-off for like feeling good all the time, they're not really getting the best of what's out there. They're not getting the worst of what's out there either. But like, yeah, know, know that because you have made the life choice to be a creative you've done the right thing man you're sucking the nectar out of what it means to be alive and and honestly being a creative you know we say this shit like it means something but it doesn't like i I mean i know accountants that are really fucking creative like being creative just means coming up with a a new way of looking at it or different way it means seeing the world not as it is but as it exactly so like you don't have to have a a paintbrush or a camera or a uh, you know you don't have to be drawing something like you could you could be a teller at a bank and still be really freaking creative you know absolutely no absolutely that's important to like you know to kind of acknowledge here and and you know i think a lot of people don't acknowledge that kind of shit they're they're always like it's your craft yeah yeah, exactly if you're the janitor man be the baryshnikov of mop and hell yeah (laughs) i'm reading a book now called creative confidence it's actually on my coffee table and it it, it details things just like this it's the idea that you know creativity doesn't just lie in the arts it can be in literally any vocation i think that when i talk about like when i talk about create creatives and creativity i also kind of take it from that large we've talked about it in a macro scale or a micro scale, but also think of it at a macro scale. Like yep. anybody can be. And I think that it's it's the mindset, right? Because yep. I think that there are people that listen to this that go, yeah, I'm the only one that feels the way that I do now. Or I talk to my friends and they go, man, you're kind of a drag today. And it's like, and, and they, and it's, and it's like, I, it's like, they can't, they, I, you know, they might like, I love them, but they don't understand why I have these valleys. Mm-hmm. And I think the valleys are just an, uh, they are an inherent quality of being a, magic air quotes creative you know it's like just be for every high that you have you'll have a you'll also have an equal low and and when i talk about this kind of stuff on a bigger scale i think you know like i've been doing this for a hot minute and i've i've had the luxury and ability to have great a great support network an incredible group of people that have lifted me up have pushed me through the bad stuff and said you know no your 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 last thing was great your next thing will be better etc 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 But I do think that there's, to, to say that, like, I think that there's an an equal amount of, for them, like, where they go, I don't understand why you hate on that stuff all the time. Why you're always so, like, why do you, why are you so sad about that? And I think for those folks, I say, that's just kind of part of that mindset, right? Like, if you know a creative person, sometimes, like, sometimes they have that. It's just kind of, it's to your point, it's part of, part of the, part of that, that, that role. Yeah. Um. So all that to say that if if you know a creative person and it's challenging to love them sometimes, know that you know they're just they're just doing the best. You're they lucky can. to have them in your life. Absolutely, right on. All right. So all that to say, you know, Kyle, you're on its face. You're not a 
and a creative vocation, but you're a creative person. And, you know, I, we've talked about some of the things that you've spearheaded over your time in your professional career, but like you're, we talked also a little bit on your personal stuff. And like, as a lover of music, you have an incredible podcast called Tune Dig. It's all right. It's pretty, no, it's, it's more than all right. It's pretty good. It's pretty solid. But like for you was, was Tune Dig, was that like a, was that just an, a creative outlet for you? Was that just a way to kind of blow off some of this extra steam that you might've had? <laughs> You know, I haven't told you this prior to this moment, but, um, I, I felt kind of spurred on when you did your, uh, make something every day campaign when we were both working together, um, where it was like, I'm making stuff for other people, but I haven't made anything for myself in a while. You're welcome. Um, so thank you very much. Um, it's, it sat with me, it gestated for a long time before it was like, well, what's something that I can do or make or experiment with? Um, and I've been, I've been doing stuff like sort of pseudo music industry stuff, working with record stores, trying to help them kind of in my free time. Cause I love record stores. I have a huge vinyl collection that matters a lot to me. Um, and, and out of that came this idea to talk about records just cause having conversations about, music recommendations and like shared music moments and experiences has always been one of my favorite ways to connect with people. And there's no substitute for that, right? In the, in the modern world where things are served up to you algorithmically or by experts, you're kind of getting in an echo chamber either way, right? You're not getting out of your comfort zone. Like I'm a metal person or I'm a jazz person or I'm a country person or I'm a rap person. Um, or I'm, I'm everything except country and rap, right? Um, there there's not a lot of opportunity to like break out of your spiral and i have a buddy that i've been really close friends with since i was like 13 years old uh we umpired baseball together growing up and the way we bonded between innings was talking about music and so we've been we've been really good buds talking about music and going to shows together and like taking road trips to go see bands and doing all that for 15 years. And it's like, let's do something productive with all this energy, all the stuff we're doing for free and for no reason. And so we started this thing cause we had all this vinyl sitting around from our work with record stores, like stuff we'd gotten for free. Let's talk about these records and let's give them away. Like what's the most punk rock thing that we can do to make something for ourselves and to have fun along the way and to like get better at a craft. So we started this podcast called Tune Dig, and we're two dudes from Atlanta. So the first episode had to be about Stankonia, <laughs> and we gave away a vinyl copy of that record. And um, I listened back to the first season, and it's not great compared to where we are now. But it was like two dudes trying to have conversations about music, and um, you do the same thing no matter how small over and over, and you learn about how to get better at it. So. I've learned about how to get better at having a conversation about music and like why we care about music, why we listen to it, why, why even bother um, having a reaction to it in the first place. And it's made me think really critically about that and why I choose to invest my energy in anything at all. And it's gotten me to a really interesting kind of almost spiritual place about, I want to find a new and different thing to say. If we choose to talk about a record, I want to have a unique thing to say about this compared to not only the last episode, but compared to everything that's ever been said about this record before. Like, why does it matter? What's my place in the world to be even moved by this thing? So 
we're three seasons in we've done 24 episodes the most reason was purple rain by prince um and the hope is that we draw people in um from an album that they love right it's a very small moment it's very digestible and we can share that moment together and then if you like this episode then the next episode we want to make very different and outside of your comfort zone so that hopefully you'll take that leap with us and we can all be a little bit more dynamic humans together right so we'll go from like Soundgarden to Janelle Monet to John Coltrane to Childish Gambino to Led Zeppelin to Prince and hopefully you'll take the journey with us and if you won't that's fine you have the one episode and if you will you have 24. I think that like for my like my my venture into Toondig uh so like I, I love podcasts I mean I think that you know I spend a lot of my time at a computer um, you know, editing, doing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, you, you just need stuff to listen to. You need, you know, you'd like noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for me, I kind of cherry picked based on like, oh, I love that Coltrane <laughs> album. Let me just listen to that one. Oh, I, I actually quite like Janelle Monet. Like, let me listen to that one. So I think it's, you know, you cherry pick. And I think from there, <laughs> after a couple in, I was like, oh, these insights, these conversations, these dialogues that you guys have mm-hmm. are like really interesting. Well, y- I mean, we're two dudes who have seen hundreds of shows, not only to get on our own, but also together. Cliff and I have seen so many bands together over the years and spent so many hours in the car listening to music and playing past the iPod and whatever that it's like, it's kind of like when you've been married 25 years and you need, I, I, the point is I thought I loved music a lot and always self-identified as a music lover. And you and I talk about music a lot and people have always known me as a person who loves music. And I, and I thought I did, but I didn't realize how many more levels there were beneath what I thought I already had. Um, so it was like learning to love my partner again in a whole new way. Right. Um, it, it was, it's been tuned in has been like marriage counseling for the thing that I was positive. I love the most in the world. I didn't really appreciate it enough yet. So it's been good for me just as a human being to re-examine everything that I thought I knew about the thing that I knew the most about, um, which is great to be like, you think, you know, but you have no idea. It's been very healthy. You guys seriously blow through every genre possible which is impressive i mean like we, li- we listen and, to all of it and you it got great like you guys did norma jean like what the fuck like most of the world doesn't even know what the hell that is and you were like yeah let's do the whole album and, and that so okay so i love that you brought up the norma jean episode because that was that was the point at which the podcast pivoted into a bigger thing right oh really because we realized that nobody knows who that band is except for the people who were like there in that moment for totally. that thing people have either never heard any band that sounds anything like norma jean or no they were there in that moment and they were like this is super special and it's like a secret handshake right uh, that's when it took on a bigger bent because like we had to ask okay why does it matter enough to us to talk about norma jean that we would dedicate a whole episode to it and it was about these moments that pop up and they come and go and and they mean a lot and and how can expression be so localized and so deep and so special yeah. i mean like dude bless the martyr is <laughs> whoo I can't say enough things about the importance of that record to, to cliffs in my life. Um, 
that there's a lot of stories that don't belong on this episode about why that episode <laughs> about why that album is so important to us. But I love that that's the first one you brought up. And that's what I love about the podcast, man. It's like everybody yeah. has a totally different like, oh, man, I listened to Run's Jewels the other day and da 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 about Killer Mike or da 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 about I was a big definitive Jux fan and LP was my dude back in the day 15 years ago. And it's crazy that you love Run the Jewels. It's like if you do enough different episodes about enough different kinds of music, you yeah. can become friends with literally anyone on the planet. Cause everyone has a thing. Totally. And so, and so the goal is if anyone knows me also knows about tune dig, then they'll never not have something to talk to me about. And yeah. I love that. Well, it's funny. Cause like when, you know, obviously I didn't know you, we'd never met before, but when Ashton said, Hey, I might have this guy to be on the podcast and he but runs we're in love now. His- <laughs> <laughs> the courtship was actually quite it's true it's quite quick you guys really hit the gas on that but he was like hey he runs this podcast you know called tune dig and i looked it up and I, you know before i even listened to anything i just scrolled through and the first one that caught my eye was norma jean the others were like i was like okay cool he did like you know Soundgarden, husker do and all that i was like cool but i was like norma jean that's some that's some backwood shit right there yeah, like, that's yeah. a, you know and then, and then you followed up with like uh hold on i gotta look at the site actually and then you went to kanye west rage against the machine and mono i was like who the fuck is this dude who does like he think he he's is? all over the map like but that's what's awesome is that like if you want to be you know if you want to be all knowing you gotta listen to it all <laughs> you know yeah and and, and I, I think that's what's cool is like you know the, you didn't like focus in on a genre you're like oh we're gonna do a little bit of this a little bit of that and it's not all good, you know, like it's not all bad, but let's just talk about it and see what happens. And I've so been there's pushing a little bit Cliff to do like the Ariana Grande and Diplo episodes because I think all that <laughs> stuff is dope and, and I'm so much more. So he is so much better at appreciating one thing and I'm so much better at trying everything mm-hmm. that that's the tension that has driven our friendship forever because cool, he's. Man. He's smarter and and like left brain and logical and narrow and deep. And, um, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're fire and water. We're, we're very, very different. I'm an Aries and he's a Libra and, um, I talk about him like he's my wife. He's my second (laughs) wife. Um, you spend enough time with somebody, you know, we're like domestic partners at this point. Um, But I I love him so much because I've learned so much about myself just as being a foil to Cliff Seal. And that's the beautiful thing about like to draw it back to the point of your podcast about being in the creative business because it's like creativity is all about discovery and expression, right? Like you Mm -hmm. put all these things out in the world to ultimately like have this mirror to to kind of discover who you are and why you are and why it matters that you're here. And a lot of times that doesn't come from just you, but it comes from the response to your thing or the community yeah. that you build around your thing of like-minded individuals. And it's out- sl- outside influences, yeah. right? It's, it's things outside of your purview that have pushed you in the direction that you, you didn't know you desired to be in. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like they think that like, I think the the best artists that I've had the pleasure of knowing and meeting are the ones that have a an appreciation for all things that that even if they don't fit within their 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 street view, right? Like mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the magic of it. Um, and so when I think about like if you just confront its face, like musical taste, right? Like the fact that you do 
all of these different genres of music. You don't just focus in particular one. Not to say there's anything wrong with focusing in one, but like you know, you're looking at all of these things. It means it's 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 a study of the craft, mm-hmm. right? And it's all of these things that expand your horizons, that kind of change your perception, and you kind of come to realize that there are a lot of influences that they they cross over more than you think. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Always. I mean, it's like there's there's too much good food out there and I love to eat. Why would I not try all of it? You know? Yeah. I don't, don't want to eat the same Chinese takeout every night. Like, I have a full range of taste buds on my tongue. I'm going to end it on that note. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, you can't go anywhere else after that. This motherfucker just said, I've got a full range of taste buds. I want to try it all. Like, that's if that's it. not inspiration enough... <laughs> I mean, I, I got, I'm, I'm like, I'm like conjuring my head. Like, where can we go with that? No, that's, that's pretty much it. Honestly, if you were going to like mic drop at any given point in your life, you say that and then you just walk to the right. <laughs> thank, thank y'all so much for having me here. Like the, this, I, I've had some conversations, but this was a really good one. I, I appreciate Dude, y'all it's too good. conversation with me. <laughs> we appreciate you, Kyle Stapleton. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and sharing your insights. I think that from um, all things from creative to music to philosophy, uh, I think that there's just there's so much there for our folks to digest. And I think that at the end of it, um, you know, it, it's one of those situations where we realize that the, the world that we that we function in is a whole lot smaller than you think. Um, it's also a whole lot bigger than you think. I mean, you know, it's 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 uh, it's a very weird paradigm. Um, but all to say, thank you. We appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some insights. Uh, and that's going to do it for us on the uh, episode of Office Hours, episode 17. We appreciate you listening uh, out there in listener land. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, give us a like, subscribe along, and uh, send it over to a friend. Share all the good stuff we're doing over here. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. He said it. Absolutely. <laughs> the uh, Office Hours podcast is produced by my buddy Dave Bettino at the Tannery Studio in Stanhope, New Jersey, uh, with assistance of sometimes me. And uh, yeah, we're uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Later. Peace.